Well, good. All right. Welcome, everyone, to uh, a crossover episode as such. Um, I'm Hodgie. I'm from Talk of the Toon. We're also joined by Mark uh, from the, the Toon Under podcast. How are we doing, mate? You good? Yeah, doing good. Uh, a bit of a bit of a bit of a trek to get this one organised, given the time yeah. differences. Um, <laughs> I, I can still taste the toothpaste, and you're ready for bed. And yeah. I was thinking, well, is it is it is it wrong for me to come on this with a beer? I was thinking, if he's about to go to work, it's probably not the vibe that I should be going for. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all good. <laughs> it's always five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, man. Aussie mouthwashes beer, I've heard anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> um, I will jump on because I always pester my co-host back in the UK version of our podcast um, about our social media stuff. So I suppose we'll go on that. You can find both our podcasts uh, on Instagram. T-O-T-T underscore podcast for myself and the Tune Under podcast or Tune Under pod on uh, Instagram, both on Twitter as well, T-O-T-T podcast for us and then at uh, Tune Under pod for the Aussie blokes and also YouTube, you're doing quite well on that. So uh, if you type in Tune Under podcast, you'll find the guys on YouTube there as well. So yeah, without further ado, I suppose we we get involved. We see how it goes. Um, I am a born and bred Newcastle fan because I was born about a mile away from the stadium. How does it work for Australians following Newcastle now? And how how is this kind of PIF stuff affected the supportership, do you reckon, in, in Australia? Has it seen a bit of a spike and stuff and as such? Or what what do you see and what do you think? It, it's a weird one. Um obviously the the vast majority of fans that we bump into, um, or you know, I mean I was I was born in the Northeast but grew up in Australia, ended up back over there after uni had a season ticket for a while before then heading back over to Australia. So it's, it's kind of like there, there for me, despite the the historical relevance of, of most of my family being Sunland supporters, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll ignore that one for a bit. Um, but look, I mean, most of the, I'd say most of the fans that we talk to here in Australia are all expats. Um, they're all from the region or at least from the UK. They're all, they've all been supporting them or, you know, had no choice in the matter. Mm. Um, I think the the fact that Newcastle were had a bit of appeal in the in the nineties when the Premier League was really starting to get sort of some some traction here, um, and then again under under Bobby Robson as well, um, has kind of helped us with a little bit of the local support, um, like you know the Australians. But it's like any any country, I guess you would say most of the time you're going to have. Oh, you're probably going to have um, like the the clubs that are successful are always going to be the ones that have got the the international backing. Um, mm. I mean, you look at like NFL um, in the US; it's like everyone's got their own team. But as soon as you get to to other overseas countries, it, it tends to be whoever's been winning the Super Bowls for the last couple of years gets all of the gets all the traction with the fans and it's so so the same sort of thing here where you know typically it's been Liverpool and Man United and um Arsenal sort of Chelsea that sort of thing over the and obviously now a few few uh, Man City fans but um and I was explaining off off camera and most of the people who listen to us regularly understand that it's not just the expats um we've got Bobby and we've got Dimmy and we've got Keegan who are all very much uh Aussies uh, through and through. Um, Keegan doesn't really have a choice in the matter because his dad's from the region, um, <laughs> as the name suggests. But look, for Bobby and Dimmy, there was no connection there. Um, Bobby went over to the UK, met up with some friends, ended up at a Newcastle game and fell in love with the club. Dimmy 
got handed a paper at Euro, for Euro 96, I think it was, by his dad. Um, it was a big piece on Shearer. Um, he decided to have a look at who that was and, oh, yeah, this, this guy sounds good. I'll, I'll support the team. Um, and he's been a Newcastle fan ever since. And, you know, the, these guys are like fully, fully hardcore committed. They, I mean, Dimmy I doesn't, don't think sleeps and um, kind of watches every every single game without fail so i mean even even during the even during the ashley years he was still watching every game when we um sort of supposedly the the the, the born and bred fans um <laughs> yeah pick, picked and chose our our games that we're watching under that uh, particular regime um i think pif's given them a little bit of a lift um in terms of publicity uh, obviously the the fact that we're up there competing at the moment uh, and Craig and I literally did a podcast last night, which I think is going out um, very soon. It might be before this one goes out for us. Um, we, we were basically saying, it's like that Tottenham result, um, everyone was expecting that game to be really close. Everyone was buzzing about that, and it was this top four battle, and for us to go out and do what we did against that sort of caliber club, I think that is going to have put us on the map. That'll have been shown on on every TV around the country, around the world, um, so yeah, that 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 I I hope kind of starts to degenerate that little bit more interest in us. Mm. It's interesting to say that, yeah. Like I've not even thought of that in the kind of magnitude of what like that highlight highlights reel would be like. It would be pretty much oh, and a bit of news from the Premier League, and we'll be there, prime first position of being like put <laughs> put five goals past Spurs in twenty yeah. minutes. Like that that would be just unreal. I didn't even <laughs> didn't even come across my mind when thinking about that sort of thing. But that's yeah, really. A real poignant thing, I suppose. While we're touching on it, then absolute fantastic result. If if you've been hiding under a rock, um, Newcastle absolutely spanked Spurs six one in the Premier League. Um, the first twenty minutes was just an absolute flash, blinking. He kind of missed it. Um, there's a guy that I know uh, went to the game and uh, he missed the first five minutes. So obviously missed first two goals and said he's never been so disappointed to wait for a pint or have a pint in his life because it missed missed the best best moments, but. For you, how how was that kind of first twenty minutes in your mind? Was it just kind of shock? Because I know I was definitely shocked. It was pretty surreal. Um, it was kind of like the first goal goes in, you go, "Oh, here we go. We've probably scored too early here." And the second goes in, and you're like, "Oh, this is a great start to the game. Hopefully, we can hang on to this." And it just kept going. And you know, I mean, we, we could have easily got like another two or three in that first half as well. Um, mm. And and. Yeah, it's just that that thing. I think we were all so hyped up for that game beforehand and how important it was. And then Eddie, will, I mean, we, we've all been saying amongst ourselves, it's like Eddie was stoking the fire of uh, of us having panic attacks about the game like, by saying how important it was. And it's like, oh, even Eddie's not on, on the on the train now. And <laughs> yeah, and, and so we were all a little bit nervous beforehand. Um, obviously for us, it was like a, it was an 11 o'clock kickoff on Sunday night. Mm. Uh, not... not uh, not the sort of ideal time to be shouting and, and cheering while everyone else is in bed in the house, but yeah, it was it was a it was a tough one to keep quiet on. I have to say, that's fantastic. I mean, the the, the whole kind of town, city, everything around was just in raptures. It was fantastic. Like where where I live, you can you can hear the stadium um, from around the corner. Unfortunately, I didn't manage to get a ticket, but I was in one of the local pubs, and yeah, there was like a constant noise for the first couple of minutes, which was absolutely mental. I've never. Never really experienced something like that. Um, the only thing that kind of come close was maybe is the 4-4 against Arsenal mm. when Teotihuacan volleyed left foot volleyed into the bottom corner. And in terms of excitement, that might 
might touch it, but like you say, we could have had easily seven, potentially even eight um, in the first half, which would have just been crazy. But I think in the back of everyone's mind, it was like, oh no, there's still it's still Newcastle. It still could be 5-5 come the end of the game. So it was um, definitely an interesting watch. And well, interesting- we, 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 we've always we've always sort of said it's like, you know, it's 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 taking so long to get over this Newcastle fan mentality of, well, is this really happening to us? It's like, oh, look at all these players we're getting linked with. This just doesn't <laughs> happen to us. And then you have these sorts of games like come out of nowhere and you just think like, holy crap, is like, what, what's going on? It's like, and you can't let yourself believe that even at 5-0 up with the best defence in the league, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're still not safe. We need another one. It's like, and then Harry Kane scores in the second half and you're thinking, oh, they're going to throw this away, aren't they? This is, I can't handle this. And it, it, It's just this mentality, I think it's going to take a while for us to break, where it's like we're not allowed to enjoy things. We're not allowed nice things. I think it would have been different if if the uh, Carabao Cup kind of final didn't go the way that it did, because obviously that Indeed. was a, a bit of blow, blow to the confidence. It's Yes, we've lost some league games and we've probably come come back from a draw to get a point and being lucky, but also on the flip side, we've been lucky that way. But that was... a quite a poignant point of being like oh okay the the bubble does have edges and we're, we're going to potentially get to a, a bursting point but mm. to then really come back and, and be on the kind of form that we've been in I think is just being fantastic and I I mean the supercomputers are all same we've got 83 percent uh, chance at going through and getting top four but I mean is is that really going to happen what what do you think on that I'll, I'll, I'll I was I was going to say is like what your what's your um you you and your your pals like what what are their kind of thoughts on on that loss and where it sort of sits in terms of has it has it been kind of like a little bit of a a millstone around the club's neck because of the the lack of success and and the mm. pressure that that was kind of putting onto the players um but look for for me it it's it's kind of Keegan called me a pussy the other night because I didn't want to make a call about having uh, <clears throat> having Champions League football on the agenda next season. Um, I didn't want to jinx this, but look, it's it's getting it's get definitely getting closer, isn't it? I mean, mm. it's, it's it's hard not to think that we're in the driving seat now. I think everyone was saying that Spurs game was was a crucial uh, result for us. Um, before the game, everyone was saying, like, you know, whoever wins, that's probably going to get fourth. Um, but you know. There's still there's still challenges there from from Brighton especially because they like have, have about twenty games in hand or something at the moment. <laughs> uh, the 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 run that Liverpool have got they've got some very easy games on paper, um, mm. so I wouldn't count those out just yet. Aston Villa I think they've got some really tough games coming up, so I think that'll that'll tell us where Emery's got them. Um, I, th- I still maintain that our result against Villa were was a bit of a blip given three three away games on the bounce. They were they were obviously jumping. We had a really off day. They were they were well on their game. Um, it'll be you know we still won four three on aggregate for the season. I'm st- I'm still maintaining that. <laughs> but yeah, look, it, it's definitely getting closer, isn't it? it? It to to being able to say yeah, I, f- I feel top four is going to happen. Um, mm. I, I just my my brain won't quite let me. Let me sort of have that one yet. <laughs> no, I think mine's the same. But in terms of the lads uh, on Talk of the Tune, uh, Will's always a, a very glass half full kind of guy. He's always positive. He always kind of pushes and wants wants us to kind of do best. And then when he kind of 
early on in the season said, oh, I think we can definitely get some sort of European football. I was on a bit more of the cautious side and thinking, look, any any kind of progression, like a top eight would be fantastic. A top six would be amazing. But now we're in this position, I've, I really kind of have a little bit more positivity about myself. I can see how we're playing and the way that we are playing. I, I don't really see many teams touching us. And I do truly believe we, we deserve to be where we are this season massively. Um it's 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 hard work not only by the players to get the fitness up to where Eddie wants it, but the amount of work that he and um, Tyndall put in is is absolutely second to none. Like, I don't see anyone else in the league like kind of matching matching them. That is like kind of in our area really, apart from obviously Pep and Mikel. But it kind of teams like I don't know, well Everton now obviously suffering from their past and teams like Leeds and chopping and changing. That whole bottom half is is just an, an absolute struggle, and I, I'm so glad I'm not in that yeah. <laughs> in that area anymore after so many years. It's so like, nice to be looking up rather than uh, oh, than looking down, isn't it? I mean, if you if you look at the next few games as well for Newcastle, we've we've actually got on paper some pretty winnable games. I mean, Everton away last season was was a bit of a blip. Um, mm. We were on good form. We went there. Their crowd was was jumping. Um, we had some knackered tie himself to the goalpost he's just completely been released disrupt. he's just Has been he? released from prison today <laughs> so uh, he's, he's I, out I, in I time to, i said to craig <laughs> if he does it again i just want joe linton to pelt one in his head because <laughs> um, he that totally disrupted all the momentum that we had in that game uh, and then mm. it was it was probably one of the contributing factors for us so hopefully uh hopefully he's not let anywhere near a, a football ground um at least not on uh on thursday night anyway but you know, realistically, Eddie in his press conference um, uh, post post Spurs was was saying it's like you know we, we need to be focused. This is this is great, but we could have done things better. And it's like you know mm. we just smashed Spurs six one, and Eddie Howe's like, yeah, well, you know we've got to see what we could do better. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think there's going to be complacency from certainly from the coaching staff side of things. Mm. Uh, but you know we've got Everton, we've got Southampton, we've got Leeds. Um, the, the, the crucial one for me, and I think this will be, uh, quite special, um, given my, I, I was over in the UK for a holiday at the end of last season, uh, managed to get tickets to the Arsenal home game, nice. um, at St. James's. And that was, that was just the best atmosphere I think I've ever seen at a, at a football ground. And, and that's including like nights like Juventus in the Champions League and when Shearer broke his record and I was there for both of them. Mm, um, yes. That was just a special night. Um, and we kind of stopped them getting Champions League football with that result. Uh, I think it'd be quite apt if we stopped them winning the title by beating them again. <laughs> um, but we shall see. I'd love I'd love us to, <laughs> to basically, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of fans who are Arsenal fans, and I, I mean, obviously, there's more, especially up here in like kind of cities and stuff. You have that kind of mixture of who's a Man United yeah. fan, who's a Liverpool fan, whatever. I know quite a lot of Arsenal fans, and it's it's always been interesting to see how they treat us. And in the past, like what say like early two thousands, late nineties, there were it was a bit more of a yeah rivalry, but it disappeared for a while, and now it's back. They were a bit scared, so they've started it again. I feel oh, this is great. We're already in the heads. It's fantastic. Like, <laughs> nice. That's the best bit about it, man. I love I love the rivalry and stuff. <laughs> um, in terms of the the players that are about at the minute, we've definitely got one absence. That is the man, the myth, the legend, Alan Saint Maximan. I'm just going to go straight in and go thoughts. <laughs> what 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 do you think? 
I I've made my feelings known on on our podcast a couple of times. I I, I expect him to leave in the summer. I've I've always been a fan of his. I think he is uh, has been a great player for us. Um, I like watching him when he's on form. Um, the recent spate of injuries, I think, have kind of really dampened his ability to get the fitness level up that he needs to play in an Eddie Howe style system. Mm-hmm. Um, there was always question marks over him and how he would fit with an Eddie Howe style and that that team press. But you know, credit to him, he seems to have been trying his ass off to to get that that part of his game working. Mm. I just don't think it's for him. Um, if his body's not capable of playing that type of, of pace and that type of kind of um, intensity on a regular basis, then, you know, it, it, you can have a couple of good games off him, fair enough. But if you can't play any more than, like, you know, a handful of games a season, is it worth hanging on to him? And if if he's, like, one of our only saleable assets that we can generate a bit of income to offset some, some FFP mumbo-jumbo, then, you know... I'm I'm happy for him to go. Um, I, I I'd be happy for him to stay, but I, I genuinely think that his time's numbered. Uh, time is numbered. Mm. Time is. I up. think I'm def I'm definitely in agreement with that. <laughs> I think the what we always floated about is like the the 35 million pound mark. If someone comes in, and I always put the caveat of not in the Premier League. If yeah. someone comes in from Italy, Spain, France, whatever, yep, 35 million is probably about the rough price. I think we'll probably get for him. Um, in terms of like his injuries and what he's done. I mean, this year has 20 games, one goal, five assists with, I think it was 35% um, starting. I mean, obviously injuries and stuff preventing yeah. that, but I did, we all do speak about him fondly. I mean, under Bruce, the, the guy who should not be named, um, <laughs> he, he was the only outlet of entertainment and the only source of excitement. So, it's it's well he's gonna be kind of heart, you know? didn't he? I mean he, he was the only one that was any kind of goal threat on a regular basis for us. So yeah, mm. uh, hats off to him for that. You'll always have our thanks, even if he does leave. But yeah, I just, just can't see him really being there long term, um, mm. unless something drastically changes. Who's who's your on your radar to replace then? What, who would you say? I would love Diaby. I would love to get Diaby in. Um, mm. I, I think if PSG come in for him, let's be honest, he's probably going there. Um, he's from their academy in the first place. He's probably keen to go there and, and prove himself. Um, but he looks he looks a talent. Um, the the fact that you know there's 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 this talk where he maybe isn't as as top level champions league ready as is some are suggesting um i don't care we're not there yet either um mm. he's 2023 20, or something isn't he yeah 23 yeah um yeah get him in with isaac and and all the other youngsters that were were, were sort of dragging through um under eddie howe for a bit and i think uh, that level's going to go up a bit more i mean i i it, it's difficult because you know at the moment we're not missing st maximum we're not desperate for someone to come in and replace him. We need squad depth, but you know we're not signing Diaby as a squad depth piece. He's a he's a first team starter. Mm. Um, but the, I mean, there's there's others. I mean that the Georgian lad from Napoli, but I think he'll be out of our budget. Um, even though we 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 have the media keep sort of spouting out about how rich we are and that we're going to go nuts <laughs> in the transfer market, and then on the other hand, they're telling us how much we can and can't spend because of financial fair play. It's like, well, make your minds up, guys. Mm. Uh, but look, I mean, you know, 
who's 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 anyone coming in for in that side right now? I mean, Murphy's playing out of his skin. Uh, Miggy's our leading goal scorer and can't get in because Murphy's on form. Mm. Willick and Joe Linton are kind of easily interchanged on that left-hand side. So, you know, it, it's it's a tough call. I mean, Gordon's there. He can't get a place in the squad at the moment as a starter because of how good we're playing. Mm. Um, it's it's a great it's a great problem to have. Um, what's what's your thoughts? I mean, who do you who do you kind of have penciled in for for any kind of replacement? Yeah, I think Diaby is a, a fantastic show, and he's pretty much at the top top of my list to to replace kind of in, in that kind of wide wider area. He's he's, I would say, a lot more consistent than what we have or have had. Like you say, Murphy playing out his skin. How long potentially could that last? I mean, the the kid's doing great. I love him. His shit housery is next level, and it's fantastic. Miggy played so long for the club, and then got to a point with scoring goals, and then how long is that going to last because of the yeah. past and i think with this guy we've got well potentially when diaby is he's done 10 at least 10 goals a season since he's been at um leverkusen i feel he's getting assists he's getting he's on like 91 percent of starts and i think the first two was because he wasn't injured or something like that so yeah. everything else from that point has been great and he's been part of that team that's transformed where they were in the league i think um is it Xabi Alonso who's their manager now took them over in yeah. 17th place and they're in sixth and they've got a chance of still getting some European football so that's going to be interesting as another level on can we get him especially with all the other clubs that might be around looking for mm-hmm. him can we pull him away from potentially a project in Germany where obviously he's, he's been for a couple of years and, and looks pretty happy and looks very settled in the league so that's that's going to be hard I think for players like him though we need to we need to be breaking the bank and setting a statement and he would be a yardstick um worthy i think of of what we want to do and, and how we want to go about it really um there's for the age as well for the, i think the age is right for us to be able to splash that amount of cash on on a player that that's mm. been being touted about i don't i don't know what his wages would be but they're talking about like 50 to 60 million for the fee which is what we paid for isak um mm. Uh, it's a, it's another young, exciting forward player that you know that that's kind of what we're what we're looking to to build the future around. We've we've kind of got our spine of the club now with Botman, uh, Bruno, and and Isak. So start padding the rest of it out. And, and like from my point of view, I think if you if you look at what the club needs to now be able to move on from from where we are, and because we've set such a high standard, we need fast players. We need players who are capable of closing down. And I know Diaby's had a few knocks um, about his defensive prowess, but um, from from the games I've I've kind of had a glimpse of, he does seem to still close people down and, and at least put that effort in, which mm. is all you're wanting from your forwards. You don't want them to be like you know the the world-class defender that, you, that you've got at the back you just want them to be able to put some pressure on and make it so it's not an easy out which mm. which is what what our forwards currently do mm. um but ideally anything anyone that we bring in in any position i think has to be either a developmental player so like a, a you know a 20 21 year old that's not quite there yet but has potential or they need to come in and be a first team starter and whoever is playing now, be it a Miggy or, or, a, or a Murphy, they then become the backup and the squad depth. And that's mm. how we build that squad depth up is that you've, you've kind of got Mur- and Murphy, because he's a fan of the club, he's loving life at the moment. He, he would be probably more content with a 
a, a bench role um, or a squad role um, more than some other players, I would say. And, you know, St. Maximin, I think, is one of those players where if he's not going to get on the, on the team sheet um, on a regular basis because others are keeping him out, he mm. will get unsettled. And I think that, to me, is another thing that, you know, how is he going to get back in the squad? Who's he going to replace given, given you know, we are going to strengthen in the summer? Um is he going to be happy on the bench and you don't mm. want him starting to get a bit mopey? Um, and, and I think he's already, to, to things. yeah, he's already said, uh, look, I, I need the club or a club to take my best interests at heart. And yeah. I think that's him already foot half out the door and maybe he's going to his agent, see who he can get in touch with. Cause he's obviously, he's given his fight for us, but it's, it's, it's the, it's the thing that, you've just picked on there is like you want your attacker to try and defend. You're not asking for a world-class defender mm. out of it, but it's his tracking back and he, he, what he has been doing in the past is leaving like Dan Byrne or whoever's been there very exposed. And it's probably made them look a little bit worse in, in how they play in their left back position because, okay, best left back in the world. If it's still two V one or potentially if a third person yeah. overloads, they ain't going to have a chance. So it's about that consistency. And I think building the team is, is part of that. I know we've been touted recently with people like Riyad Mahrez, but I think he's way too old. He's 32. Yes, he's playing at a really high level, but how much is he going to really bring? We're going to have a couple of old heads in there, which is great, but it's it's about having that already wise kind of nice player that has some development stages to yeah. himself. Go. So I think someone who's like 26, 28 is probably a nice age to have someone that brings you consistency. Whereas 23, 24, 25 gives you that kind of building and the growth and the potential to come after that as, as well so, as being that older head. So Madison in. then. <laughs> hey, look, Madison would be fantastic. I think he would be he would be amazing, but obviously not in that. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. He can play a couple of different roles. I mean, Madison would be fantastic. Again, that would be another another sign-in to then really move us forward. Yeah. Potentially a, an out-and-out centre-defensive midfielder. So it could potentially push Bruno up a little bit it's yeah and an out and out left back <laughs> a real good and left, a, back, a nice. proper left back yeah yeah that's that's something else so I've, I've got one one question for you on the on the player acquisition yep. front um a lot of uh talk with that uh Declan Rice is going to leave West Ham mm. um I assume Arsenal are probably the prime candidates to get him um do you see him coming up to the northeast, and would you would you be snapping West Ham's hands off for about a a seventy eighty million pound deal for him? Which I don't think he'll go for that cheap, by the way. Um, mm. But he's got that English young English tax yeah. riding over his head, isn't it? Um, yeah, which is is blown completely out of proportion for some players. Um, listen, that's a hard call. I don't think he'd come up here. Uh, he is a London boy, born and bred. All his family's down there. I think it's been said in the past when it's been linked with maybe he's moving to say like Man United and stuff. It's I just don't think it's in his in his mm. being. No matter what money is going to be kind of put towards him or anything like that, I think I think he's going to be pretty set, settled in the capital. If it happens, I'd be more than elated because I think he's a great player. He was a standout for West Ham. I think in the game that we played against him because everyone else crumbled around him, but he was the one trying to rally and trying to really progress and, and try and do something. So in my mind, he's a great footballer. He's been class for England recently. He's just Mr. Consistent. But yeah, it's not going to happen, I don't think. What about you? No, I I, I have 
I have dreams it might because I think he'd be a cracking signing for us. I mean, if you look at look at the the, the boxes that we need to tick, uh, a solid kind of defensive minded midfielder to to push Bruno and Joe Linton up a bit more. I think you know you you stick a midfield three of you know Joe Linton, Bruno, and and Rice, and that's really harsh on Longstaff as well, by mm. the way, because yeah. he's like first name on the team sheet these days, especially after the Villa game when he was he's out. Um, if you if you get rice in that midfield, I just think like that just ticks along really nicely. Mm. Um, I guess the 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 thing you'd kind of point to is you know we've got Willick up here, but he was younger and less established when he did make that move. Um, mm. So you know there's there's that there's that issue, but um, I don't know. I was like Arsenal if they've if they've got the money and they go after him, I think it's a hard thing for him to turn down. As you said, if it, if it means he's st- staying in London with his family, but if if they don't come in for him and he and he wants to play Champions League and we're in there, then you know we've got to stick our hat in the ring and and hope for the best. I think as as well with kind of the wonders of speed travel that we have nowadays, it takes three it takes under three hours to get from Newcastle to to London in a train. It's these guys can afford helicopters, private jets, yeah, whatever. Like yeah. it's 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 a it's a very small country, and it's it's very easy to get to to one end to the other very easily. And I, I think, in terms of what happens with with whether they come up and training and whenever they're two days off come or one day off, like it's easy enough to get down and back up. It's it's just they're going to yeah. be a bit of a stretch for a while. They can also yeah. afford to bring the players up. I mean, John Joe Shelby had pretty much all of his family living with him at one yeah. point, so it's. It's um yeah, it's interesting to see who they listen to if they're strong minded themselves or if they're very family orientated, they will listen to parents, grandparents, families, brothers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I do I do get it, but I'm a bit biased in come on, it's quite nice up north, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it would be it'd be great. And I mean look, if you're looking at some of the others that we've we've managed to sign already, um we haven't done too badly on the recruitment front. We've managed to get good characters in. We've managed to get them convinced to come in, and they've all bought into the club philosophy. They've they've bought into the region. They've bought into the fans. Um, sometimes that is a is a draw card, and you know we've 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 had plenty of people from around London playing for the club who absolutely love playing for us and love the region. So we need mm. we need Rob Lee to get on the phone and say, yeah, you know what, like <laughs> it's actually not too bad up there. Get on there and and, and make a name for yourself. Even Joe Willock nowadays, like yeah, you could even yeah. have a word like potentially. Yeah. Um, just gonna go back to a guy we mentioned before because um, Gray on our podcast was like, you've got to ask, you've got to ask, because he's very deep into the into the Dan Burn or Matt Target kind of vibe at the minute, and he's he's shouting out for Target to get more time. What what's your kind of take on that? Because I know quite a lot of people are, are maybe he's hunting for Dan Burn at the moment because of some maybe his questionable performances that he's put in, but. Where's, where's I think he had. I think he had a, b- a bad time when he's up against really quick right wingers. Um, you know, he struggled against Brentford. He struggled big time against Aston Villa. Um, probably, probably had a little bit of an issue against West Ham as well. I thought Bowen actually had him on a on a string at one point. Mm. Um, he's been fantastic this season, and I thought he actually played really get well, really well against Spurs. Um, obviously, Spurs weren't exactly knocking the door down for the entire game. So that that's that's yet to be seen. Uh, I feel I feel sorry for Maddie Target because he was brilliant for us on loan. That's why we signed him. Um, just bad luck with injuries and Dan Byrne mm-hmm. coming in and, and playing out of his skin. Look, I, I think me personally, I would like to see Target in 
purely and simply because I think he offers more going forward and more balance to the side, um, more overlap. I mean, Dan Burns trying, you can see he's trying to get that overlap going, but no one's really convinced about letting him have the ball in that position because <laughs> it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? It's like, you're not going to put a cross in. You're not going to like beat three players and and, and sort of swing a shot in. Um, you know, you did it once this season and then he tried it again in the next game, and just like completely balls it up. So <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where, look, he's done fantastic well but he's not he shouldn't be first choice left back for us um mm. and i think you know if if we're wanting to kind of get a little bit more attacking threat down that left hand side then you know it, it's a it's a good call to get target in but mm. it's hard to it's hard to complain um with the the defensive record we've had as to you know making any changes at the moment so i'm kind of defaulting to eddie howe on this one if he wants to keep with it then fine i'm not going to kick up a fuss but i would like to see so Tiger gets some more game time. It's an ex- it's a yeah, a strange thing to see when you've got a what is he six foot seven or six foot eight <laughs> bloke absolutely hammering it as quick as he can down the wing to try and get an overlap and not get it. It's yeah. uh, it's like you may as well, he's made all the effort. Give him it like it's like kind of oh yeah. It's, yeah. Give it's, him a token of effort ex- now and again, just to, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go on, pass it to him and give him a shot, man. Why not? Uh but I think it, you're totally right. I think to have someone have someone who's more suited is is a is a great option and i think be very hard on dan because he has been class but i think i'm the same boat i would love to see target just have an effort or two i suppose to see how it goes especially with games that were and it's hard to say should be winning but say like everton and and when yeah. we've got leads coming up and stuff it may as well give it a go i mean they've got that somerville and i at the leads and i know they'll just put him on dan burn and he'll just burn him left right and center pardon the yeah. pun there um but to have to have target there would probably be probably be best for me anyway one one thing i want to i want to have uh, an opinion from you on is like so obviously being in australia what we we try our best to keep up to date on everything that's going on at the club and there's a mm. lot of hype around um lewis miley at the moment and he scored a cracking goal the other day and we kind of you know, sort of had this really bad fan cam footage, and that's about the only thing we've got. Uh, obviously, the hype around him's him and, and the fact he's like what sixteen or something mm. is, is is pretty high. Um, the other the other player that I guess we've had the hype around recently is Elliot Anderson. Yeah. Um, what was your thoughts on him not getting on against Spurs when we were that comfortable? Uh, yeah, I think. <sighs> The, the kid's got the kid's got bags of talent. Um, I hate it when he gets played as a centre mid because I just don't see him as a centre mid. Um, I see him as a winger, and the way that kind of how was doing or managing the the kind of game time for everyone else at the end, it was silly for him not to maybe his feature because it obviously is not a not in a top starting position and he's probably not even second rate to some wingers that are already in the club, but he's risked say Miggy, and he's risked, risked Wilson at, at one point as well, so. I think it would probably probably been better for him um, just to have a bit of a have the ball kind of you do you in a in a certain certain light because it was a while ago against Arsenal and I can't remember which cup it was it might have been the FA Cup but he basically came on I think we might have been two 0 down or one 0 down and he was the only one that actually looked like he wanted to give a bit of fight and just take the ball really direct and that's what I like from a young kid who's just kind of got no weight on his shoulders wants to impress. Given the ball, let him run and see what he can come up with. Because I think, like I said, he's got bags of talent. Well, yeah, from from everything we've seen, every every time he's come on, he's looked more than 
comfortable on the ball. He's mm. looked good in possession. He's wanting, he's actually wanting the ball, but he's not, he's not like put a foot wrong as far as I can see. And mm. I find it a little bit weird that, you know, in, there's been games where we could have put him on earlier and, and got that development going. Um, and, and we haven't. And I guess from, from my point of view, I'm worried that about that side of our game if we've got Ashworth who is focused on revamping the academy and, and bringing on all this young talent if we're mm. not going to give them a clear route to the first team um, mm. and, and give them that chance because at the end of the day, like, it's all right convincing a few players to join, but if we if we get to the point where you know, like next season, Elliot Anderson then has to go out on loan again because mm. you know he, he's not got any game time, and we've bought new players in. And are new young players going to come to the club and say, "Oh well, yeah, I, I'm clearly better than him, so I'm going to go through"? And I know there's there's that bit of bit of mentality with with footballers and and, and that sort of self confidence, which is great. But you know, at some point, surely that that gets to the point where you know, like yeah, there's there's other options for me. They've got a better better avenue through to to get um sort of first team action. I, I wouldn't blame him if he if he did kind of have that foresight and and put in a transfer request. To be honest, because at the end of the day, you got to look after number one. And if you can have a frank chat with Eddie, which I'm sure Eddie is very open door to players having some sort of questions and stuff, and we'll speak to him and say, look, what do I need to do? Where do I need to be? If I can, if you think I can get there or not, because at the end of the day, it's his career, and you yeah. <laughs> you're in you're in the business to make money in football at the minute. You're not you're not just there for playing pleasure, I suppose. Is, oh, you could be, uh, but it's it's definitely massively outweighed. Yeah. Um, and I think he's he's got bags of talent. I mean, my manager currently is um, a, a Bristol Bristol Rovers fan, and when we loaned him there, he, he was just like, I know we're Bristol Rovers and we're not in a Premier League, but he just said watching him live was different he said i wouldn't even follow the football i'd look at him and watch how he and he said his head was just like spinning at all times like he was looking where he was and his touch and the way that he always was looking to touch into space forward rather than try and go back it, he said it was a really really good watch and something that he's not seen in a long time at his club enough for them back to us but where does that like you say where does that fit in and how how much more does he have to impress i mean if it, if i was if i was him i'd be definitely thinking about my my future and seeing seeing who would yeah. want to take me on rather than like you say going to a championship club and 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 maybe he's doing a good bit of work and then not having to see that the next year if you've ever got promoted or if you've chased yeah. the the promotion kind of bits once you get your bit between your teeth at a club no matter kind of who it who it is I suppose you're always going to have that kind of affinity and if he's got one at one club that's doing well and they want him back I'm sure he would probably take the chance to jump really i think that's what i would do personally and yeah. I mean, i'm not a professional footballer by any means but i think that's that's probably the way for him to go yeah i mean in, in an ideal world you know you, you'd send him out on loan to like a newly promoted club if if, if middlesbrough got promoted for example send him mm. there for the season um i think he's done enough to prove that he can handle it at the top flight level mm. it's just getting that ga extra game time that he needs that you know, as I said, look, if we go nuts in the transfer market in the summer because we've just had like Saudi uh, announced as a shirt sponsor deal for for seven years or whatever for two hundred million or whatever, then <laughs> you know who knows? Right? You know who knows who we're going to end up finding. Um, it, it's one of those things where it just drops him down that pecking order ag again. Um, so he's he's going to have to go somewhere to find find first team football. Mm, no, hundred percent. And I think there's a, there's probably 
we've probably been quite bad at it recently. I think, obviously, like say even Matty Longstaff, the way that he was kind of brought in but dropped pretty quick. And mm. there's been other players in the past that we've never really hung on to. I mean, Fraser Foster, goalkeeper's had a fantastic career outside of St James's once he was loaned out a lot of times and people thought, oh, he's canny. Obviously, in the Premiership now with, with Spurs as a, a bit of a backup, but Ivan Tony is a classic example. Ivan Tony as well, yeah. I mean, I, there's there's talks of him coming back, but I just think he's an absolute problem child. I think he's got yeah. so much baggage. I just don't yeah. think it's good for us right now. I think he's done well, but I want to. I, I think we should stay well clear. Um, mm. It's just, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with all of his gambling uh, charges and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> let alone the fact that you know when he's when he's when he's on Instagram going oh f f f Brentford and. It's just like, well, come on, dude. It's like that's the club you're playing for right now. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah. I, just, I, I don't uh, like his chances of ever recovering if he did something like that. If he did come back um, with the fans of Newcastle, it's amazing how much these footballers sometimes get away with. Like, it's <laughs> amazing how how many people nowadays, or even I, I suppose even go back a couple of years. If someone said that, I think they would be probably be out the door of most clubs. I think. Yeah. Brentford just know how vital he is to their team and kind of <laughs> yeah. maybe he's going to try and sweep that under the carpet and then, uh, oh, some betting problems, sweep that yes. under the carpet as well, see how long we can keep going this before the carpets, you can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I hope, I hope in, I, th- I think the, the way that the PIF are, are going about things, I fully trust in the process, both um, me, Will and Gray all trust in the process and we're we, see, we feel very capable on their hands, and I don't think they'll be making mistakes of bringing big kind of egos into the club and, yeah. and having it having it with that kind of spikes. And how important is that for for you as people who are running the club? Oh, I think they've done absolutely fantastically well. Um, they, they've maybe put it, maybe done a couple of little rookie mistakes and stuff like that uh, since the time, given that they're learning. But you know, they've hardly put a foot wrong. They're, mm. they're the fact that they're trying to fix the here and now to a certain degree, but they've definitely got one eye firmly on like, let's create a sustainable model here and we'll do Brighton on a budget effectively mm. where we can get maybe better quality to start with because we've got better funds behind us. We need that clear um, academy project and that sort of conveyor belt of players coming through because if you can if you can sell players off for like you know 15 20 million to to other premier league clubs or overseas clubs that's just extra income that sort of offsets your ffp um Mm. so in terms of like a long-term model i think it's great you basically keep the cream of the crop that you that you develop um you use the others to kind of like top up the the money that you need to then say, right, well, we haven't managed to find a, an, an adequate right winger. So we're going to have to go and buy a, a new one from somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the Premier League. So that money can go towards that. And we don't we don't need to worry about the rest of them because we've we've got all these players coming through that we've bought for for, for effectively pittance and in in, mm. uh, in in the build up. But one one thing that I I said very early on is like um, when people were starting to say, "Oh, look, yeah, we, we could we could lose Bruno and Real Madrid might come in," and you think, "Well, yeah, look, at some point, I don't have a problem. You're going to sell players, but the problem is, is like in the past, Ashley's never replaced them. 
Mm. So you, you don't feel that with our owners. You feel like they they will have a plan of attack. And to me, if you if you sign Bruno for thirty five million and sell him for one hundred and twenty to Real Madrid, and then you go and buy like three more players for thirty odd million, that's a pretty good deal. Um, mm. And you know I, we're not going to have a hundred percent hit rate like we have been with all of the players we've been signing. <laughs> we we are going to sign a dud at some point. Um, it's it's you know well, well I mean you say that we might sign a dud and then Eddie turns him into the next sort of world class player like he did with Jolinta, <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of really hard to say with say these days. So, um, but look, I mean for me, I think the the idea that the owners are are looking to build the club, I think they've been fantastic with the fans. Mm. Um, you, you look at how how much they they interact with the fans, how how much they're loving owning the club. Um, and the region and they just bought into everything and it, I think I saw an interview with Stavely the other day and, and she was saying like look it, we, we, it may be an investment but it's kind of gone beyond an investment for us now we, we love this club and we want it to do well and we want to build it and, and, and be here for, for all of the success so mm. I think they've just you know Newcastle's a special place when when things are going well um, and it's, it's, it's good to see that we are but mm. Um, there, there will be a point where you know things aren't as good, and, and you ho- hope that everything kind of still gives them a little bit of leeway. But but for for now, I think they've all just seen what it could be, and I think everyone said what it could be before they actually took over, um, and they're seeing it firsthand. It's like, yeah, well, wow, yeah, this is this could be something special. Mm, so, I think yeah, um, no. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. They they're really invested not just in the club but the fans and the people of the city and. I mean, Jamie, Jamie Rubin owns pretty much one main street in Newcastle now and has built yeah. a brand new skyscraper. So he's obviously planned on something happening with the football club and the, the way that they're getting on with war fan, uh, war flags, fans, even kind of Amanda working with the, the women's club now as well and trying to build that up. I mean, we're getting 25,000 people coming to St. James's. That's more than Burnley Watford did last season, <laughs> probably any time in the, in the Premier League last year. So... It's it's really really good to see it coming up and and hopefully we just have more and more good things to talk about I suppose on our on our retrospective podcast. <laughs> the, the the one thing that I loved was for the for the cup final. Um, Jamie Rubin and Murdad were like incognito, like yeah. snuck into the fans because they didn't want to miss out on the atmosphere. It's just like you got these like multi-millionaire owners of the football club. It's like, well, we can't really make a big scene here and we can't mm. really just sort of like wander off into the crowd. So we're just going to like hide ourselves a little bit because we don't want to miss out on this. And I think the fact that, you know, it's like people were, were complaining that they were they were sneaking out to have a kickabout on the pitch. It's like if you owned Newcastle United, you would be going out to have a kickabout on the pitch every 100%. chance you could get um i mean we've we've had dinners um at the the function area when i was working in newcastle and like we're like literally going i was like what do you what do you reckon do you reckon we can sneak out in the pitch and have, like, <laughs> like, find a ball somewhere you know it's like come on you, everyone's like that so yeah I, I just love the fact that they seem very normalized um with with how they act with the club um they just kind of want to be want to be part of the fans and and want to be part of the region which which i think is actually Probably one of the biggest things I think since they've taken over is just their their general attitude to to mm. the club and the fans in the region. No, hundred percent, and may long it continue. I think, yeah, if we can if we can nail this Champions League and get through that group stages, that's where the money's at in terms of television rights and stuff, and it brings us more 
in front of people just by simply being on the TV, getting eyes on us and and seeing where things go from there. So I I really hope I really hope this is this is it. I'd love to say this is it. This would be fantastic um, if we could continue the the form and, and the trajectory that we're on. Like you say, there's going to be some bumps along the road, but everybody that's involved with the club supports from near and and far away. As long as everyone understands that they have got the best interests of the club at heart, then I can't really see anything really going wrong, which is probably yeah, a nice sure. little a nice little note to end on. Thank you very much for for speaking to us. Uh, no, I would I appreciate love to do, time. Love to do kind of more of these in the future, if possible. Start the season midway, end of season, whatever kind of works for you guys. We'll we'll try and get more and more people on. Um, yeah, that sounds good for you guys listening. If you want to drop us a, both a five star review on. Both, I suppose, Spotify, uh, we're on Acast as well, Google, Apple, the lot. Um, that would be much appreciated. It helps us. If you want to subscribe to uh, Tune Under Podcast as well on YouTube, it really helps those guys out as well, trying to grow on that kind of media pa- platform. Um, kind of, that's everything, I suppose. Thank you very much for speaking with us, and uh, we'll catch you soon, guys. Excellent. Cheers for your time, mate. Cheers, man. Ciao.